0: Welcome back to this Equipping You in Grace podcast. Today I'm going to talk to you and pick up on some themes that I talked about last week in my end of the year report. And the title for this episode is, is uh, Reading and Studying the Bible in 2020. I spent two and a half months from the end of August of, the, of uh, this year, 2019, until about the middle of October of 2019 thinking about this subject in fact i wrote a book which lord willing will come out in twenty twenty, by the end of it or sometime around there, it was on the problem of biblical literacy and what to do about it. So I'm gonna share some things that I've been thinking about and on, on this. I wanna I wanna talk about something I said in the previous episode and I and I expounded on it, but I wanna talk about it some more. Um I said at the at the towards the end I said that this year we wanna continue providing trustworthy resources to focus on the Bible And help people to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus through our articles, through our reviews, and our various podcasts. If you haven't listened to that, I encourage you. I I conclude that, sent this thought by saying this. Additionally, to continue to focus on providing a safe place for writers to submit their articles, receive encouragement and prayer, and to continue to generally partner with our writing team as they write for us and other places. I want to focus on just being a trustworthy resource. What does that mean? It means that our conversation, content, but we're aiming to do and me as the executive director of Servants of Grace overseeing everything and and some of you don't even know this but I actually edit every article and read every article that is posted on our website. So when I say that it's trustworthy, it means that I'm reading over it and I'm editing it and I'm sending it back to the editor or back to the writer and the, the writer and me, the editor are going over it together. If I have any questions, if there's something that doesn't make sense i'm gently nicely letting the writer know and and we're working it out before it's published so so you can trust that you're going to get a, a helpful article a biblical art definitely a biblical article hopefully prayerfully a very practical article this isn't this is important because you know we <sighs> The problem of biblical literacy is is one that I think exists because there aren't enough resources for the average layperson. There's not enough uh, material out. There's lots of material out there for pastors, but but what's out there for the average layperson is by and largely not a trustworthy resource. It's not a. It, by that I mean it's not rigorously biblical. It's not faithfully grounded in the text. And and it's uh, it doesn't need to for that audience. It needs to be written in a read highly readable way. Um, but it doesn't have to sacrifice biblical truth. Like you can explain the meaning of theological words to the average layperson and they get it. But you have to explain them in a in a way that they understand. And you know that's that's challenging. But it's it's doable. People want are hungry for truth they are hungry for more of the more of the word and if we're ever going to solve the problem of biblical illiteracy and it is solvable there is a solution to the problem of biblical illiteracy it's to get people in the book into the word and to help them understand why and how, how why are they to be in the word and how are they to be in the word and i want to talk to you about that today oftentimes as we talk about uh bible reading it's it's we do it. Well, yes, I, I want to say yes, we we do it. But, but there's a bigger reason why we get into the word. And that is because God himself is an author. He's inspired 66 books that constitute the word of God. They are the inspired, inerrant, sufficient, clear, and authoritative word of God. They are enough for us. They teach us about who God is and, and what he's like, how he's revealed himself. They teach us about redemptive history that centers on Jesus Christ. They teach us about the person and the work of Christ from, you know, Genesis 1 to Revelation 21 and everywhere in between. The the whole point of the the Bible centers on a person and his work and that person and that work is the work and person of the Lord Jesus. So that's really vital. Uh, We don't just read our Bible just to read our Bible. We read our Bible to delight in the God who has chosen to give us a book and has revealed himself and tells us this is his story this is the wonders of his grace you know we could talk about genre and all those things i, I one 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 book that i've been um, on the servants of grace podcast we go through a, we're going through the book of first samuel and what's been so interesting about first samuel even you know you, you might read through that and be like well that's a bunch of history yeah you're right <laughs> it is a bunch of history but but let's get into that why are the historical books there in the first place? Well, they're they're part of the grand narrative of of the Bible. They tell us a, a specific part of of Israel's history. There, that's important. Why? Well, because you know, the, 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 it's it's vital to understand what God was doing in the books of history. You know, and and for Samuel the writer uses comparison and contrast through the characters that he uses. So for example, what does Saul so, show us? Well, the, the people of Israel, they wanted a king. They wanted a king, and so God gave them a king. And Samuel anointed Saul. And But what does Saul do? Saul doesn't lead in a way that he was told to do. Instead, he leads in a way that is contrary to how God wants him to lead. And he does this over and over again. He he has kind of a half-hearted worship. He, he offers his worship to the Lord, but it's half-hearted worship. It's half-hearted obedience, which is to say that that's no obedience. It's zero obedience. Half-hearted obedience is... Disobedience, period There's no such thing as half-hearted worship And there's no such thing as half-hearted disobedience We are either obedient Or we are not obedient That's how the Bible speaks about it But soul is... is is an example of disobedience, and over and over again, Saul is contrasted with Samuel and in particular with with david we We see in King David well, he's not king at this time, but he's been anointed to be king in first Samuel, but he hasn't taken the the office of king yet um he'll do that later in in second samuel but the the thing is this: what does that show us? It shows us the Bible uses a a number of uses narrative. You know, epistles and poems, and uh, you know, on and on. But here's the thing: we have to understand not just the genre, but what is the author trying to do in the genre that he's using. Well, here's another example of comparison and contrast: the writer in First John is like what I just mentioned in First Samuel, in that uh, John wants to use comparison and contrast light and darkness you know you you love the lord or you you don't you know it's 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 um it's just different it's a little bit different but the point is the same we have to read the 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 particular book that we're reading in the bible let's talk about leviticus many people you'll you'll read genesis and exodus and you'll get to leviticus and you'll struggle you'll struggle you'll struggle. I want to challenge that. I want you to understand what's happening in Leviticus. Leviticus is 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 a is a challenging book to to read, but keep reading. Keep reading it year after year after year, word after word, chapter after chapter. Keep reading it. But and and, and read it this year understanding what it what's trying to do. The book of Leviticus is trying to get us under to understand how the Lord is holy, holy other than us. He is the the the, theologians call uh, the holiness of god the controlling attribute of god that meaning that if we have to define have one characteristic that defines god who he is and what he's like he is holy now when we now when i say that some people say well you what about his love and his goodness and his justice and his mercy yes yes to those things yes to those things also but if we have to just define describe who god is and what he's like he is holy. He is other. He is separate. You know. He is. You know. Beyond our uh, without, apart from divine revelation, we cannot know this God. He. He is wholly other than us but he has chosen to reveal himself in the 66 books that constitute the word of God. As I, as I said, we, we get to delight in this God who has spoken in his word. And let me just say this. There are those out there that, that say that God is still speaking today, and that's not true. It's like the, the old quote says, when, when um, if you want to hear God speak, read his word out loud. You know, even just read it out loud to yourself. You're hearing God speak through his word if you want to hear about god read his word if you want to hear him out loud i just said read his word out loud that there's no need for further revelation god has spoken finally and fully in and through and and he speaks through his word by his spirit that's why faithful expository sermons are so essential so it's not we talked about why but how how well we've been talking about how understanding what you're reading why it means what it means helps us to to get to okay we we're, we understand some of the arch, overarching concepts in a book so like when you read when you read uh, Romans or ephesians or any of Paul's epistles. What you can see there's clear breaks he uses in Romans, he uses therefore in, uh, in, in Romans 5.1 and in, in uh, Romans 8.1 and Romans 12.1, just off the top of my head. And he uses those to help us to understand what has come before us and how he's building on it now. Now, in particular, this is important with Romans 8.1, which says there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're in Christ, you're, that means that you're his friend, as Jesus talks about in John 15. You are part of the vine. You are his friend. You have union with Christ. You've been united to him by faith for the purpose of having communion with Christ. The reason that we read our Bibles isn't just to check off the list the reason that we read our Bible is cuz we want to be grow in our friendship with the Lord and in our communion with the Lord. And so we read the Bible not just to to fill up our heads. That's not the idea of biblical knowledge. But we we gain we read our Bibles and we study our Bibles to get to know the God who has fully revealed himself and who through Christ delights in his beloved so we we read the bible yes to grow in our knowledge and understanding of god and his word and his ways and so on and so forth but we also read our bibles because to get to know this god who through christ delights in us so here's some here's some practical things we we talked about some of the the issues in reading the bible you know getting past leviticus understanding that it's the whole that it's all about the holiness of god and and other things we we even talked about the books of history which some people get stuck in history the books of history and they just give up keep going keep going through that see that the characters in the books of history are there's comparison there's contrast the writer is trying to get you to see this is not what to do and this is what this is what uh you should do to walk righteously before God like we talked about with Saul. Saul is an example in first Samuel. This is how not to walk before God and David is an example of how to walk before God righteously. So let's talk about some other helpful tips uh, on reading the Bible, well, I, I love to open my Bible and and read the Bible. Um, but I also, in the last couple of years, I've I also commit regularly, daily to listening to the Bible. Some people ask me, well, what are you reading? Well, that's usually whatever book I'm I'm working on studying. So I I, I read and listen uh, to First Samuel over and over and over again. I want to get in the mind in the I want to understand what is the overarching purpose of this book and how does it fit into the the story of the scriptures what what are what are some things that stand out and i've shared some of those things uh, about first samuel but this is the kind of thing that i want to do with i don't want to just i mean i read through the bible too but i want to spend more time in a particular book and i would commend that for for more understanding of God's Word uh, just spending time maybe maybe the maybe the thing to do for many of you is um, say your say your pastor is preaching through a book maybe you just however long that however long your pastor is preaching to that book that's what you're reading and that's what you're studying you're just in that book you're just immersing yourself in it you're gleaning from what your pastor Is saying on the Lord's Day on Sunday, and you're also studying it on your own. You know that's a that's a good way to spend your time with the Lord. Uh, Also, you know, oftentimes pastors you you gather in a small group and you talk about uh, the pastor's sermon. That's an awesome time to to share what you're reading and you're getting out of the sermon, and and also in your own time of study. These are just some some practical things. You know, some of you are more auditory, so you, you really do need to listen to the Bible. And I would say, listen on you version. Some of you prefer to read and that's good too. I also really enjoy to spending significant time in prayer. I do that in the morning before I get up, uh, before, uh, yeah, before I get out of bed and, and also before I start working. And then at night, um, I spend about 30 minutes to an hour just praying and before I fall asleep. And usually I just fall right asleep after praying. You know, it's it's really important to be spending time in, in the Word and in prayer, and you know you have to figure out what what works for you. You know, whether that's time in the morning or time at night. Um, but don't what what you shouldn't do is don't do it at a time when you know you're going to be tired because you're going to. Fail, and then you're going to give up. Find a time when you're awake. If if you work early in the morning, maybe that's at lunch where you spend that time in in the Word, or you know, maybe you need to carve out some time when you get out get home from work, um, or use that car ride. Use that car ride to to work, listening to the Bible. I, I highly recommend uh, the U version of the Bible. Um, you can you can listen to the ESV, the NASV, and multiple versions. Just start spending time reading and listening to scripture. Feeding your heart and your mind with the word, that is just so critical. Uh, for articles uh, articles, and things that I work on, those types of things, I, I have logos. So I use that mostly for word studies and commentaries. I, I enjoy that. You know, I, in terms of uh, one of my friends asking, what are your, I gotta ask this, what are your habits for theological study? you know i I really do as i I mentioned last week i I love reading systematic theology i you know I mentioned quite a few of them. Dr. Joel Beeks came out this year. Beaky came out this year uh Robert Latham came out this year uh, matthew dr matthew Barrett had a had a popular level book on the doctrine of God. Um, I own probably over two dozen systematic theologies, not even books that cover various topics of systematic theology, just systematic theologies. I, I love to read the, the subject. You know, I, I love to read new and old books. But the one thing that I wanna say here is this, reading good books is good. And I commend that, absolutely. You know, we we have a whole podcast that, where I interview authors. This one, Could be you and Grace, that I'm talking with you on. On. And that's that's important, but don't ever confuse the, these two ideas. Prioritize reading your Bible over reading the new and old books. You know, prioritize reading your Bible over the newest and the latest books. We we have one book as Christians that is inspired, that is inerrant, that is uh, you know clear and sufficient and authoritative. And that's one book that that testifies of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that book is to be read. That book is to be studied. That book is to be meditated on and, and memorized and applied. You know as we've been talking about. Why is all this important? Well, it's important because this is the Bible is how we grow in Christ. The Bible tells us the redemptive story, as I've said, that centers on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It tells us about who God is. And and you know, it, it tells us enough that we can know that as Exodus 3.14 says, I, I am who I am. So God has said, this is who I am. And Jesus, what's amazing, is picks up on these I ams and uses seven of them in John and all seven of those testify to his deity that he is fully God and fully man. And he does these miracles to show the power of God in the gospels. So maybe you're reading the gospels and you're wondering, or your pastor is preaching through the gospels and you wonder, well, what about this? Well what what about the gospels? The Gospels themselves testify of christ he, he in in uh, john 5 twenty nine all the scriptures testify of me in fact in luke twenty four Jesus says he says he gives I would just love to be a fly on the wall for this because Jesus preaches the greatest sermon in the whole world, and it testifies on how the the law and the prophets they all center on him. And he tells this great story. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not minimizing the Sermon on the Mount. You know, people at the in in Matthew seven said they were amazed at his teaching. They were astonished as as he taught with one with authority. But but this particular sermon in in uh, the Sermon on uh, the sermon, the Emmaus sermon to the, to the disciples at Emmaus. It, it amazes me because it's a sermon that's not only centered on Christ, but it's also a missionary sermon. It's a sermon. Jesus is on mission. He's on mission to reach the lost. He opens these disciples' eyes and they see and they go away, understanding more of Jesus. And that's, that's exactly what we're to do. Part of being faithful to Jesus is to do just that. It's to faithfully tell other people what the Bible says and to teach them what scripture has to say and point them in a faithful way from that text or texts, the point of it, to Christ. All, we're not saying that we look in the nitty gritty for things about Jesus. But every text has a point, a touch point, if you will, that helps us to turn and look at and understand more of Jesus Christ. You know, what's amazing is Jesus, Jesus is, he, he gives us life. He says that he is the bread of life. And he comes to satisfy our soul that needs true and real satisfaction. And how does he do that? How do we know that we can be satisfied by him? Like, like Psalm 40 and Psalm 42 tells us that as, as a deer panteth for water, so my soul longs for thee. Well, what has what Jesus provided for us? He provides the living water because he is the bread of life. He is the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. He is... He is our Passover lamb. You see, all of the Bible connects to Jesus. It tells the beautiful and wonderful and lovely story of Christ alone. So yes, we can read new and old books. Absolutely essential. Absolutely essential. But let's spend just as much, if not more time, reading our Bible. For some of us, that's going to mean we read less. And we spend more time in the Bible. Guess what? You will never regret spending more time in the Bible than you do, uh, and, and less time, excuse me, in reading the the latest and the greatest, or even dead authors. Now, now, hear me when I say what I'm I'm saying here. I am not about to minimize what I just said about reading the Bible, but I do want to say it is important, in addition to reading your Bible faithfully daily, to spend time in new and old books. Now, now, I I I really like uh, what crossway and PR put out now we're a reformed ministry so that won't shock anyone uh, but i i think that they put out really good commentaries they put out really good books that that challenge you to think biblically and uh, they're they're really good um i also really like for old books banner of truth you know you can find lots of great old books you know and those are really the best books you know they're, they're more challenging so if you're going to read like Uh, john owen get ready to be challenged because he's about as challenging as they come but you can you can read um you know charles spurgeon um he's the prince of preachers for a reason he's wonderfully wonderful to read and and to enjoy you know you can read john calvin and uh, others like that and i would just say you know there's a great series the puritan paperbacks um there's quite a few of them you know start getting some of those and working through those classic Christian books uh, you can read and enjoy and um, along with some of the latest um, you know and other books that I that I feature on this show I just want to say this year make it make it your priority don't don't get stuck reading just get get stuck in Leviticus or the books of history keep going on you know there's been some times when I've just struggled so much to read those and I'll just skip over you know, maybe it's the law and the prophets, or maybe I skip all the way to the New Testament for a time, but don't just make your skipping over that you neglect that part of the Bible. That That's an, that's an equal and opposite error. If you need to skip to the New Testament because you're more comfortable with it for a time and you read through it, that's great. Get, keep reading. Absolutely. But go back to that part where you struggled. And and as you do, ask your pastor, ask a trusted Christian, how do I read this portion of God's word? Don't just never go back there. That that's that's where we that's where we get stuck. Part of the problem with biblical literacy, the reason that that people are, uh, a lot of people are biblically illiterate today. It's they just skip going back to that part. They they go to their favorite parts and they know those sections of scripture, but they are not able, as my friend, one of my friends says, they're not able to access all of God's word. And he asked the question, how much of God's word can you access? And it's a convicting question. But this year we can answer that question. There is an answer to that. And that is... Maybe you read with the text that you're that you're and study it. That uh, the churches the church that you're going to is working through. I, I strongly suggest that commend that practice. But also pick a Bible, pick a book of the Bible that you want to study and read it and study it. You know, there's all sorts of great commentaries. Um, if you have any questions about commentaries or which ones to get and what which ones not to, you know, there's a lot of good websites. Ligonier has a has a top list of commentaries and so does Tim Challies. Those are two very trusted sources that I would suggest. Um, if you have a specific que- other question outside of that, I would love to be able to help you find a, a trustworthy commentary to read and, and consider. So wrapping this all up, our aim here at Servants of Grace is to help you to get in the bible to provide trustworthy resources to that end so that you can grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord i just want to thank you so much for being part of this ministry allowing us into your into your home uh to listen to to, and consider what we have to say uh through articles and reviews and so on and so forth and I i look forward to uh to hearing from you in 2020 and beyond may the lord richly bless you and keep you